Today's sermon is hear God's four letter words. Today's sermon, hear God's four letter words. That sermon title came from a couple initial thoughts as I looked ahead to this week. The fact that, of course, every Sunday under Scripture is called to be a day of rest and worship before the Lord. And the word rest, at least as it is understood biblically, is now pretty much a four-letter word in most of our culture, not only with unbelievers, but also with a lot of believers. They'll tell me, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't have time for church on Sunday. That's my day that I sleep in, or that's my day when, because I've, I've packed the rest of my life with so much, or, you know what, there's another tournament or another ball game. I've got to rush my kids too. So, you know, rush is a good word. Rest is a bad word. In today's culture, in today's life. It's pretty much the way it is, right? And then the central verse that we're going to focus on, the closing verse of Isaiah chapter 40, very famous verse. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait. Wait is a four-letter word in our culture today, right? If I've got an opinion or an emotion, I better blast it out on social media this very minute because you know what? You just said something that I disagree with or I agree with, and so I'm going to respond to it immediately because that's the culture we deal in. we got to rush and do everything rushed, and can't we get everything right now? You know, we've pretty much lived in this growing modernity, post-modernity age where we went from microwave to nanoseconds to everything else. Wait is a four-letter word. Yet the closing classic verse of this central chapter in all of the Old Testament, bridging us to the New Testament, those who wait. But that's a bad word. So that got me thinking about all this. And so today's sermon is, hear God's four-letter words. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we invite you, Lord, we ask you to disrupt our hearts and our schedules and our lives, to rest in you and to wait for you. Lord, for many of us, it will be the difference between heaven or hell, destruction or delight, not only in the immediate days to come for ourselves and our children and our grandchildren, but also for eternity. Thank you for your grace in speaking the truth to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are preaching through at least many of the main passages of the book of the prophet Isaiah this year and maybe the very beginning of the new year. And one of the classic verses from Isaiah is from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. And it's a woe passage. Let me just tell you, God does not use a lot of what we would call four-letter words <laughs> in, in the scripture. But when God uses a what in English is a three-letter word, woe, you can pretty much just flow out to some of the consequences that we're talking about. And God here says... Uh, the word of God says, woe 
to those who call evil good and good evil. You can see this is highlighted in your opening of your sermon notes there in the handout, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. The whole verse says this, Isaiah 5, 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That is pretty much a verse that summarizes most of the culture and the age in which we live. Calling evil good and what is from God good, calling that evil. Or don't impinge on me. Don't threaten my self-expression and self-realization into who I think I might want to be. You know, calling sweet bitter and bittersweet. Calling light darkness and calling darkness light. By the way, if you know the scripture, who's really good at doing that kind of thing? The deceiver, Satan, right? And that's the age in which we live. And we also remember that, of course, leads into this whole four-letter word thing. You know, it depends on which perspective you're taking for this four-letter word thing. Is it God's perspective or the world's perspective? Is rest a bad word or a good word? Is wait a bad word or a good word? You remember Isaiah's commissioning from God, which we spent a lot of time on this in uh, the opening month of this year, 2021. You can go back and listen to those sermons. We dug into this, the fact that the, the actual commissioning that comes out of this theophany, this theophanic experience that Isaiah has seeing the Lord in the year of King Uzziah's death. When, when, when Isaiah says, here I am, send me, a lot of hymns and a lot of songs are written about that response but we don't pay a lot of attention to the verses that follow that are actually more quoted in the New Testament than here I am, send me. And this was the actual commission, which was a challenging commission. God says, okay, here's your commission. Go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people fat and their ears heavy. Blind their eyes, lest they see with their ears and hear with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. As we saw when we dug into this scripture and followed it through the New Testament, Jesus claims this commissioning of Isaiah as applicable to his first coming. That's why he teaches in parables, he tells us, because of what God said through Isaiah, what God said to Isaiah and through Isaiah. And then we read that the apostle Paul claims the same passage. For instance, at the close of the book of Acts, it's, it's all linked back. And in other words, Christ's ministry and the New Testament church's ministry is very much a continuation of this commission where a whole lot of people have fat ears and fat hearts and want to call evil good and good evil. Nevertheless, the faithful ones will continue to proclaim what is true. There's another four-letter word there for you. True. True. So we come today to this issue, and you can see I decided to, now I could have kept going, but I didn't want to totally fill the, the sermon note page with all these four-letter words, but I have quite a few for you there. You can see some of my thought patterns on this, it's not only talking about rest and wait, but also specifically, here are some of God's four-letter words. Lord, 
that in all caps, now that is the English translation. When you see that in the Bible like that with the all caps, that is almost always the English translation of the personal name for God, which is Yahweh. Now, let me just tell you this. Uh, I'm talking about primarily English four-letter words and what you see charted here, but it's interesting that the personal covenant name for God is actually four letters in the Hebrew. A lot of times in Hebrew, you're only dealing with three, but, but that personal name is four. Anyway, you got Lord, Holy. Again, we spent a lot of time, we spent a lot of time in, uh, in, in January focusing on the fact that Isaiah is the prophet of God's holiness, and God is the Holy One of Israel. Remember the Trashagion? This is the only thing that is a threesome applied to God, understanding his character. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's the Lord God of hosts, right? Remember that from Isaiah chapter 6? That's what the seraphim cry out to one another, holy. That is a bad word in today's culture. If somebody says you're being holy... It's probably a negative statement, right? It's a four-letter word. Good. Good. It's a four-letter word. But these all describe who God is. He is the Lord. That threatens me. You mean he's in charge? Yes. He's holy. I don't like that. That's strange. And he is good. Really good. He is the measure of good. Flowing through the fact that now, here we're talking about love as godly love, godly love, self-giving love. It's not about me. It's about giving away godly love. Love, give, save. Got it in red there for you so you can track with the fact that we're talking directly about God here, all that flow there. And then keeping with God, word and seed. Is this well-received today? Is Jesus, the true Jesus, well-received today? The word, the word, no. Seed, the promise of God's seed ultimately fulfilled through the covenants with Abraham and David as Jesus, as the ultimate seed and the one who brings forth the kingdom. Seed, bad word. True, to test. We don't like test. I don't like test. I don't, want to, I don't want God to test me. That seems like a negative thing. No, in the Bible, it's a positive thing. And then you see, I've got over on the right the flow over here, holy fear, fear, holy fear, reverence and awe of God flows through to waiting for God, flows through to Zion, what is prophesied about the coming glory of the Lord and his people joined together in the new Zion. So that's over in the right kind of flow, number one. Number two, holy love, waiting again and the hope that is to come. And Craig, you'll like this sing, like that's a good word, right? It's a good word, that's a command in the Bible, but for a lot of people, that's a negative word now, at least singing about God. Hear, heed, to hear in the Bible, when you, when you read something like hear, that means you're supposed to not only in one ear and out the other, it's supposed to stay with you and you're supposed to obey it. Therefore, hear in the Bible also means another four letter word, heed, heed, follow. No wise. Anyway, that flows over to loving God, holy love, self-giving love, waiting, and hope. And then, you know, third line down, soul. Anybody talking much about soul nowadays and your soul being accountable at the judgment to God? No, that seems like negative stuff. Yeah? 
time. Time is, time bothers me. You know, I want more time. I mean, you mean God's in charge of time? That seems really negative to me. See how all these kind of are four-letter words from a faith perspective? You know, when you bring it, uh, work, work, work for the Lord. Huh? That's, 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 that's a bad word. Pray, pray. That's a four-letter word. I don't have time for that, man. Seek, come, come to me. No, you come to me. I got some things I need you to do for me, God, if you're really real. But you better live up to my expectations. No, 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 you, you come to me. I'm the Lord. You're the sheep. You're the lamb. It's a different dynamic, right? Which leads all the way over to this right, right sequence. Seek, come, wait, and home. Where will your eternal home be? With him or elsewhere? So, you know, I threw in a few down here. It's just some other four-letter words. Ball, pretty much. Not just sports, but pretty much everything we want, right? Have a ball, throw a ball. <laughs> throw a ball, literally throw a ball as a party. Self, dead, dust. That's the track pattern of this flesh, okay? Ball, self, idle, dead, dust. Love of self. Craven fear, which tracks over to rush, the opposite of wait, right, is rush. The mandate of our age is rush, not wait. Fear, craven fear, rush. Where's that heading? As you can see, it's not going to Zion. It's going to hell. So you can see the track patterns there on your notes. That was just kind of some reflection on this whole four-letter word thing. Now let's look at our central verses, and I want to go ahead and read to you. We included in the call to worship some of the central portions and these rhetorical questions, which are awesome from God, clarifying who he is in the perspective of who we are. We're going to pick up at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. To whom, God says, will you compare me? that I should be like him, says the Holy One. There's that word again. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He's talking about the stars now. He's talking about all the, 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 the constellations again. Uh, lift up your eyes and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host by number, calling them by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Now, here's the complaint. God's not snapping too, and the bad people are coming. So here's the question. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He, verse 29, you got to circle this one now, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men, and the, the, the word there means like the select young men, like these are the stars, the one who make the, you know, college football team, okay? 
and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then also in Isaiah, the great celebration that is to come. Zion, exalted Zion, and God's people flowing to Zion. This is in these trajectories and these cycles of Isaiah. We get another one here to Isaiah 25, okay? Key cycle, moving up to Zion. Isaiah has seven of these. Um, let's, let's go to Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9. Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all goyim, all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Yes, this is what's being quoted in Revelation 21, yes. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Now, verse 9, 25, 9. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. Do you see that? It's the same verb here, the kaval. Okay. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Just take a look at key words from that classic passage. If you know a few passages from the Old Testament, I will guess that that might be one of them. Isaiah 40, 31. You see the four-word Four-letter words we got here, the four four-letter words I got pulled out for you. Okay, let's walk through those for a minute. They wait, Lord, walk. We're going to take the Lord first. He always comes first. He is the first and the last, right? Lord, he is the incomparable Holy One. That's what Isaiah 40 is telling you over and over again. We got some of that from the call to worship. I've just read some other scripture that's saying that. He is the one who delivers those who wait for him. Nobody else will. You trust in a politician? On the other side of that politician's death, he's not going to do a thing for you. Probably on the next side of the election, he's not going to do much for you. The Lord is the one who saves those who wait for him. He's the incomparable Holy One. He is the creator. Isaiah 40 is telling us this. He is the creator. He is the sovereign, the only true sovereign. And he is the shepherd savior. We highlighted this with our passage last week, running through Isaiah 40, verse 11. Remember the third of the three stanzas that we looked at. At the close, God is coming. All flesh is going to see the glory of the Lord. And who is he? Who comes to Zion? It's the one who comes like a shepherd, collecting his sheep and holding the little lambs. Who is that? When the Lord comes to Zion, we've been waiting for him. Who is that? That's Jesus. 
Isaiah 40, verse 11, the crescendo of that third of the three stanzas there. But, but he is the shepherd savior. He's incomparable. That's what Isaiah 40 is telling us over and over again. And let me give you another verse. This one I love. Same on the waiting theme, Isaiah 64, verse 4. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. There is no other God and there's no other deliverer like God because he acts for those who wait for him. Isaiah 64, verse 4. You get the message? There's a huge theme in the Bible and specifically in the prophecies of Isaiah about waiting for the Lord and the Lord's coming. Is your life, is your household oriented to waiting for the Lord? I'll come back to that, but that's who God is. There's no one like him. He acts for those who wait for him. They, who are they? They who trust in the Lord. We're talking here in Isaiah about the holy seed. Remember the close of Isaiah chapter six. You know, after the, the tree is cut down and the stump is burned again, nevertheless, there is a holy seed, right? And in one sense, it's Jesus, right? But Jesus is gonna bring forth the entire fruit of a remnant people. Who, who, who are these people that trust in the Lord, that wait for the Lord? Isaiah 51 verse five, Isaiah 51 verse five. God says, my righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, Kava, and, my, and for my arm they wait. Even the Gentiles are waiting for the Lord. And that, um, that term in the Hebrews, a little more like hope against hope kind of term. But let's go to our central term, which is what this sermon is focusing on too, wait. What are we talking about here? Wait. Well, the main verb that's being used, there's a whole cluster of these wait verbs in the Hebrew. There's at least four main ones, but the, the one we're focusing on that's in Isaiah 40, 31, and in most of these passages I just read to you, is like strands. The, the, picture, the picture of this, the pictorial on this etymology is strands being joined together as a cord extending to the one who's gonna take the cord. So we're supposed to be a people joined together, strong in our waiting for the Lord. That's what this is talking about. This is not passive waiting. This is being joined together in a communion that is strong in faith and expectant of his coming. That's what's going on here. That's what's being said here, active and confident waiting for the Lord. This is not like the Mississippi State football team yesterday where Coach Leach afterwards says, well, I guess they decided nobody has a dental appointment or a study hall, so in the fourth quarter, we finally decided to play. We're not talking about wasting quarters here. We're talking about active lives of faith as we wait for the Lord and expect him to come. I, I just tracked through some of this waiting language. I loved it. All the way back when Jacob is blessing 
and giving prophecies about all his sons and the tribes that had come out of his sons. In, in Genesis chapter 49, verse 18, this little shot out of the blue, what is going on here? All of a sudden, in the midst of giving his prophecies and blessings on his sons, Genesis 49, verse 18, Jacob says, I wait for your salvation, O Lord. That's his prayer in the midst of all his blessings as he gets ready to die and is blessing his sons. I wait. It's the same, it's the same Hebrew here as in Isaiah 40, 31, the Kavah. Okay? I wait for your salvation, O Lord. All the way through the scripture. Isaiah 49, verse 23. Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. With their faces to the ground, they shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. Isaiah 49, 23. Psalm 23, full of waiting for the Lord from the great king and leader, David. Indeed, Psalm 25, verse 3. Indeed, none who wait for you will be put to shame. Verse 5. For I wait for you all the day long. Was David passive and not doing anything? Are you, do you know anything about King David? He's constantly in action. Nevertheless, he is waiting for the Lord in all his prayers and all his singing and all his fighting and all his leading. He is waiting for the Lord as his deliverer. Psalm 25. Verse 21, may integrity and uprightness preserve me because I wait for you. David again, Psalm 27, verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 40, again, King David, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry in my time of distress. Isaiah 26, verse 8, in the paths of of your judgment, O Lord, we wait for you. In other words, we are following the word as we wait for you. Okay, this is active waiting, which leads to the remembrance that we are also in a walk in this life. Walk. So here's another four-letter word, right? Lord, they, the remnant, people who belong to God, um, waiting, and then walk. Walk. Isaiah Chapter 30, verse 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. All of Christian life is about walking with God and walking according to God's way. So Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Therefore, the Lord waits. Isn't that interesting? The Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed, here's the beatitude, Blessed are all who wait for him. Isaiah 25, 9, you've heard it already. We have waited for him that he might save us. Here's our God. And Jesus fulfills this. He has come. He is coming again. As we come to the Lord today, I want to invite you to reorient, to do what the world is telling us not to do not to rush to hell, but actively to seek God and orient your life, your household, your schedule, your heart, your soul, joined together with the body of Christ. 
as one cord extended to the Lord who will claim us as his own, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together.